Morning, everyone. Turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 8. And uh, let's pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you for this beautiful morning. Uh, thank you that uh, we could be here to worship you. I pray the church is awake this morning, not just physically awake, but spiritually awake. And I pray as we feast today on your word, as we listen to the things that Jesus said throughout the ages for us, I pray that it would stir us today as it did the same way to the physical crowd that got to hear it for the first time. Father, I pray for our vision today. God, we know that uh, our spiritual vision is only from You. That the Bible says that no one can come to the Father unless the Father enables Him. The Bible says that no one can come to the Father unless the Father draws Him. And Father, we just pray, enable us today, draw us today. Take the scales off our eyes and the calluses off our hearts. And help us focus and listen to Your Word and to what Jesus has to say to us. And it's in His name we pray. Amen. The title of the lesson today is Vision, as you can see on the screen there. And you know, the thing about vision is uh, we don't think a lot about our eyes until we start having problems. Right? Or until we start losing sight. Or until we start uh, things getting blurry. Uh, you know, I don't have glasses yet. And I know all of you that have reading glasses say your time is coming. I can say it is getting harder for me to read little things in not bright light. So it's coming. It's the signs are there. Uh, but how many people here wear glasses or contacts? Guys, look around the room. Keep your hands up. Be proud of it. Be, and be thankful that you have... Uh, well, keep your hands up. Look around the room for all of us that don't. I mean, you're talking... You're talking almost the whole room wears glasses or contacts. And again, it's something we take for granted, but imagine living in a place like the Philippines where there are no glasses for your availability and there are no contacts. You just know you can't see really well. Think about how that would affect you learning to read or what job you could do or just the frustration you'd feel. But you know, spiritually, uh, the Bible helps us see things Clearly. I can't tell you, I've been a minister for 20 years, and I can't tell you how many people have come up to me after a sermon and said, Marco, I felt like you were talking right to me. Or I felt, and I say, well, I was, were you listening? Or they say, I felt like my friend that brought me told you about my life. And I say, it's the Bible. The Bible just helps you see you clearly. You know, um, there's a, a guy, Dr. Moreau, an eye surgeon, and what he would do is he'd do surgery on people that had, that had some congenital blindness and help them recover their sight. But he said this, which I thought was interesting, to give back sight to a congenitally blind person is more the work of an educator than a surgeon. To which the, a professor that was analyzing this Dr. Moreau's work he says the sober truth, this professor, is that vision requires far more than a functioning physical organ. Without an inner light, without a formative visual imagination, we are blind. He explains that the inner light, the light that's in the mind, must flow and marry with the light of nature to bring forth a world. 
You say, what are you talking about? Well, if you've never seen anything, and suddenly you can see something, you don't even know how to make out what you're looking at. Because you have no reference point to see it. And so someone has to educate, that's a cup. That's blue. That's this. That's, a, that's what a tree looks like. Oh, I thought it was more like this. Do you see what I'm saying? And it's the same thing spiritually. That we need an educator and we need a surgeon. Both. And I'm going to say a hard fact today. And if you embrace this fact, it will help the sermon go better for you. Not for me, but for you. Everyone sitting in this room is either completely spiritually blind, which means you can't see spiritual things. You can see the effects of spiritual things. You can see the work of God, but you really can't connect the two. You can't marry, okay, that's God, and this is how I'm supposed to interrelate with that. So everyone in this room is either spiritually blind, the, the Bible word is spiritually discerned, you, you're not, not spiritually discerned, or has serious spiritual blind spots. How many people agree with that? Spiritually blind. Raise your hand. I mean, have the humility to at least raise your hand. Because then when we preach, hear the word, spiritually blind or major spiritual blind spots. Okay. You know, here's two spiritual truths that Jesus uh, had to say to us about the eye. You say, wow, that's pretty cool, isn't it? The eye is an incredible organ. I mean, if you'd have to lose something, wouldn't want to lose one of the eyes. So what do you want? Finger, hand, foot. Everyone, you go, no, no, no. But the, without the eyes, imagine how difficult it would be. And Jesus had something to say about the eyes. You know, we pay attention to the color of the eye. Oh, she's got pretty eyes. Or I like your eyes. But who cares? Is it work? That's really what matters. Oh, that matches your eyes. Thank you. Who cares? Is it work? And, and think about that. Look up at the big eye that's staring at you. Don't look at me. Look at the eye. Get in its trance. But the Bible says a lot about blindness and vision. And today, I'm gonna, we're going to learn some lessons from people that were blind, that could not see. So here they are, they can't even physically see, and yet you see that they have great faith without being able to see. So we're going to learn some lessons from some blind people today. But before we do that, let's, let's look at these passages about the eye. And this is our theme passage for the whole month, this passage that Hakan preached, that Jesus was sent, he said, I was sent to do this, and he quotes this passage from Isaiah. And one of the things he said he was sent to do was recovery of sight for the blind. And that would be you and me. Major blind spots, fully blind. If you say, well, I'm not really either, you're fully blind. Front and back eyes. You know, you're completely blind. But this is what we're talking about today. Recovery of sight for the blind. Look what Jesus says about our eyes. We saw the big eye right there. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. The Bible teaches right here, Jesus says, to the level of the purity that's in your heart, the things that people can't see will be to the level that you can see God in your life and see God in others. The second principle, he says, and these aren't all the principles, but I thought these are great foundational principles before we get into our text to study, is Matthew 6, 22 and 23. 
it's a very simple to understand, but I mean, it slams you, this passage. The eye is the lamp of the body. I mean, I always thought about that. Why, what is a lamp? I think of a little lamp on a, on a bedside table. How is our eyes a lamp? Well, you've heard someone say to you, hey, you, there's light in your eyes or not. I mean, that statement, and it's true. The eye is the lamp. It just radiates what's in the heart. And I've talked to many people, and you have too, that are dead in the eyes. They're alive, but there's no light in the eyes. I was telling Henry, I have a neighbor. Been there six years in my neighborhood. I've never seen him smile. I'm sure he has. I've just never seen it. No joy. No laughter. No smile. Dead in the eyes. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. And look at how Jesus puts in this last sentence. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And so the Bible's teaching us right here, as we lay the foundation for our study today, good eyes, whole body full of light. Bad eyes, whole body is full of darkness. You know, you always ask people, so are you in the light or the dark? Well, kind of in the light. And you go, come on, man. Look at how you talk, how you live, your priorities. Look at, just look in your schedule. Look at your checkbook. Look at your, just how you spend yourself. Look at who you are. Look at what you're passionate about. You're in the light? Well, maybe not the light. Kind of like, you know, what? Say it. You know, kind of not in the light. You mean the dark? No, no, not the dark. So you're just kind of in between. So you're shady. Yeah, well, no, no. No, I'm not shady. But it's, we have a hard time with the absolutes. We want to say, well, I'm a good person. I love when I share my faith with people. I've, you've heard it, I've heard it a thousand times. Oh, but I am a good person. And I'll say, I never asked if you were. I don't rape people. I don't murder. I don't kill. Well, that's, I feel safer now. Um, cause that was what was running through my mind. Is this a rapist, a murderer, or a kid? I mean, you go to the extreme to justify the darkness. And the Bible says, good eyes, whole bodies full of light. What it's teaching is, whatever we look at, that's what will fill us. Gives a little twist on pornography, doesn't it? No, it's not really hurting you. Oh, it's filling your heart. Gives a little twist on greed, doesn't it? Well, no, I'm not really greedy. I just, you should see my neighbor. He's got two. No, it's just filling your heart. In fact, in just a short time, your whole body will be full of darkness. Puts a little twist on criticalness, complaining, bitterness, selfishness, and on and on and on. For all of us, if that's what we stare at, the Bible says that's what will fill us up. Okay, we're going to get some lessons from some blind guys right here. And I thought for object lesson... I'm going to have you listen to this story, not in Mark 8. This one's in Mark 10, the first story. I'm going to have you listen to it, and I I want to just just work with me. I want you to pretend you were there in the crowd. This is the story about blind Bartimaeus. Jesus is coming through the town. Okay? Blind Bartimaeus is by the side of the road begging, Help! Elms for the poor! Help! Hey! Can't see anybody. I don't know if he had a helper. Probably not. 
didn't have a stand. He, Alms for the poor, help, help, poor, can you help out? Couldn't see. Now, his eyes didn't have to be closed to not see. I'm just showing you. Imagine how frustrating, how humiliating, how helpless, how discouraging that would be if that was your life. Hey, can you help me out, please? So we're going to close our eyes. I'm not going to take your bag or anything. No, there, there's nobody in the aisle. Just, I know this is L.A. Don't worry. We're an honest group. Right? Okay. And, uh, and, and listen to the story. Put yourself there. And, uh, and then we'll pick up with the lesson from it. Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd of the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. Close your eyes. Imagine it. Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Then he rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called to the blind man. Cheer up, on your feet. He's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see you. Your faith has healed you. Immediately, you received the sight and followed Jesus along the road. As they approached Jerusalem, that's good. What a great passage. Now, if you didn't close your eyes, God knew. No, I'm just kidding. But, you know, it's just a good lesson just to feel what, what was it like to be there. Not just to imagine the scene, but to be there, imagine it, but be the blind person. Think about, it says he heard Jesus coming. You know, I want to share with you a couple quotes before we draw a few more conclusions from that passage. This guy says here, only he who can see the invisible can do the impossible. I've shared this story with you many times. It goes back to the original illustration I opened up with today. My final talk with my dad before he passed. Not, you know, he passed a couple years after that. My final spiritual talk of 20 years. Two times we talked. Friday and then Saturday or one day and the next day. Dad, I want to talk about it again. And, and he said to me, just everything we're talking about today. No, I'm not interested. I don't care. What do you do? What can you do? Change God's mind. I go to hell. I go to hell. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? I studied the Bible. I know the Bible. I did. The nun shoved it down my throat. Dad, you're 15. You're now almost 80. You look at it a little different. You know. But the last thing he said to me ties into everything we're talking about today. He said, besides that, I don't have that kind of imagination. And he walked out of the room. And that was our last spiritual conversation. And you know I'm a rather persistent fellow. And so we've had many talks over 20 years, but that was my last talk. Made me sad, but I felt surrendered. He didn't say, I don't have, what he was saying is, I don't have faith. I don't even try to have faith. I don't have that kind of imagination. See, to see the invisible, you go, how can you see the invisible? It's a contradiction of terms. That's the supernatural. That's God. Hebrews 11.27, the Bible says, By faith Moses left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. A lot of people don't do things because all they see is fear and what I'm going to have to give up and how I'm going to have to change. They don't see the invisible. And so they never do the impossible. In fact, a lot of us, the greatest moment is watching movies. I love movies. 
But my life isn't a movie. I want to do things. I want to be the participant, not just sit in a padded chair and watch the movie. And it says Moses persevered. Isn't that life? Pushing through pain? Because he saw the invisible. He had the imagination. He was willing to. Talk about a few things here today that will give us spiritual sight. Number one, desire. Number two, perseverance. Number three, obedience. None of these three things are that profound. We understand what they mean. We do it right now. But we've got to make sure we're channeling our spiritual desire, our spiritual perseverance, and our spiritual obedience. The first story, desire. What did the guy say? Rabbi! I want to see Jesus, Son of David. I love that story. I've heard it so many times on the on my uh, uh, iPod. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy. Be quiet. But he shouted all the louder. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Can you imagine this loud crowd and this beggar? He drops his stuff. He just stands up. He doesn't know what direction. He just hears the crowd and he knows it's coming and he realizes if I don't get his attention... This may be my only shot. I'll never forget studying the Bible. The first half of studying the Bible to become a Christian, first part, I thought I was already right with God. Even though the Scripture said different, I'm like, well, I'm a good person, and I know John 3.16 and Revelation 3.20. Those are the only two verses I knew, and I quoted them. felt pretty good that I could quote them. But I was blind. I called myself a Christian, but I was sleeping with my girlfriend. I was living a double life. I was shady. But I wouldn't have said I was shady because I had a good smile. Do you know what I'm saying? Nice personality. Good smile. I was shady. And I'll never forget, I'm studying the Bible and I'm like, it's like the Charlie Brown show where you're hearing the Scriptures and then you just stop listening. You're like, it means I've got to change this. And no, I didn't even say you had it. I just knew in my conscience God was speaking to me. You have to change this and that. And I'm like, oh man, no way. No way. Where did this Luke 9 come? I've read Luke so many times. Never seen this. I'm like having this internal discussion. This debate. Because I was so afraid. I was fearing, like Moses, he didn't fear. I was fearing, what's going to happen to me if I give up control? Well, it's an illusion to think you have control anywhere. That's the blindness comes in. Just let your health fail and you'll realize how much control you have. Or when it does. It's going to for all of us or your children. Then you realize how little control you really have. But I remember the first part of studying the Bible, it was all about what I have to give up. That's all I could see in my vision. Then I started realizing, you know, um, I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed, but I come along at times. And I realized this is what I've been looking for. High cost, don't really like it, but I really like it. This is what I'm feeling ignited. and, and, And I'm... I can do this. I mean, not, and I, you know, I'm still trying to be in control. I said, well, I'm going to do it on my, I said this internally. I'll do it on my time. I'll wean off sin. I'm not going to do this cold turkey business. I'm going to take my time when I get there. This is all internal discussion. I wasn't telling them. That's just how I was rolling. But then I remember I hit a junction point that really turned for me where I thought to myself, man, say I don't do this. Like, say I don't have the character, the courage, I just put off God one more time. I may never have this chance again. Meaning, I may never be this attentive to see, listen, look ever again. 
This could be my only shot. What's going to happen to my life if I walk away? See, God was working on my desires. What do you desire? This guy wanted to see so bad, he didn't even need to see Jesus or see the Word of God. He just heard about Jesus somehow, and he heard the Word of God coming down. And he thought, like a parade, man, if I don't get... Jesus! I mean, mean, he just started acting crazy. Why? Because in his heart, I just want to see. I don't care what people think about me. I don't care what I have to give up. Maybe his money thing tipped over. He didn't care. He just knew, this is my shot, Jesus! Son of David, have mercy! It says in one gospel, they rebuked him. Shut up! Stop it! He says he shouted all the louder. How much of an effort are you making in your prayer life? What are you desiring? What are you asking God for? He says in the Gospel of Luke, he asked the people what was happening. Hey, what's all that commotion? Oh, the guy Jesus of Nazareth is coming. He's just come through Jericho. and Jesus of Nazareth? Yeah, yeah, he's just coming down the road. Right right now? Okay, put me up in the front. I mean, he just started yelling. And then he got a one-on-one with Jesus. Do you know, every one of us, we're going to either get a one-on-one with Jesus all the time in this life, or if we don't have the faith, the imagination, the spiritual reality of, I'm going to have a one-on-one after the next life. You're not going to be judged, the Bible says, for your parents' sin. Amen, teens? Right? Because your parents make a lot of mistakes. You'll be held accountable for yours. And your parents will be held accountable for theirs. I know the teens might be saying, good, they're going to get their... No, it's not like that. It doesn't work that way. That's not God's heart. That's not how God... God's not out there, I'm going to give you yours. That's not His heart. His heart is the whole time. Romans says, all day long I hold out my hands for a stubborn and obstinate people. That's God's heart. He's doing one of these. Not one of these. But we got to ask ourselves, what do we desire? And what we desire, that's what we'll ask God about. That's what we'll put our energy. That's what we'll go after. Are you willing to ask for help? I love verse 51. What do you want me to do for you? He was so determined. He threw his cloak aside and he jumped to his feet. Cheer up, he's calling you. He pulls him aside and he asks him, what do you want me to do? To do for you. If Jesus was to ask you today, because every one of us has got a few bummers in our life right now. No? You did yesterday, you will have tomorrow. So if you're looking for the illusion land, that fantasy land, where everything's just going to... It doesn't exist. It's a lie from Satan. Are you taking those things to God? Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? What, how would you answer that? What would you fill in the blank? You know, I had a talk uh, two weeks ago. I was hiking with Henry and Lana, Michelle and I, having discipling time out in the hills there. And, and we're talking, and I'm sharing my challenges in my life. And we're finishing up the two-hour hike, I think it was. And Henry says, Marco? And Henry and I are like, thick as thieves is what we say. Hand in glove. Best buddies. You know, Mark 10, 100 times as much. Henry's one of those rewards in my life, friendship-wise. 100 times as much, right here. That's, I mean, it's, we're, we're best friends. We weren't best friends in 94, we were friends. But the last decade, it's gotten thick as thieves, is the statement he likes to use. 
And I said, I was just sharing with him about my parenting challenges. And you know Henry, he's very loving. He's grown a ton. Put his arm around me at the end of our talk, and I, I had laid out a good case. I'm very persuasive. I laid out a very good case. I'd given all sides. And he just says in a very fatherly, loving way, he goes, you know, Marco, uh, you're really negative. And I, I literally looked at him like, are you kidding me? I didn't say that. I just thought, me? Maybe you, me? <laughs> okay, I mean, I've been called a lot of things, but that's not typically... I mean, I've had my moments, but that would not be... And I said, wow. And I, you know, I tried to be humble. Wow, I said, I, I don't really see myself that way. He goes, well, have you ever counseled somebody, Marco, that sees things one way, but you see it totally different and they're totally deceived? I go, oh, totally. He goes, that would be you. <laughs> so I'm still smarting over it. Not that he was wrong, but that he was right. And I thought, wow, I'm this is a blind spot. So he's been working with me on being more positive about my kids and to my kids. So we're having a good week. He's asking me. We're doing some exercises about it while we're out hiking and praying. And, and he's asking me. I feel like I'm having a good week. And so uh, last week at the begin, beginning of the day, we talk. We try to talk and pray almost every morning, you know, the, during the work week. And uh, he says, "How's it going today? Are you being effusive?" That would mean bubbling over. I said, "Yeah, I think I'm, I'm on a good run right now." Till the afternoon. So then that afternoon, I'm interacting with my daughters. And Michelle's like, you know, you're being negative, come on. And I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm just laying out the facts. And then Danielle pulled me aside and she says, Dad, and it was really, it really cut my soul. She says, Dad, I don't get it. You're really positive with everybody at church. I mean, and it was a compliment. It wasn't a sarcasm. It wasn't, I want to get you. Or make you feel hurt. She, I just don't understand. You're so positive with everybody. I mean, meaning she was saying it's a strength. You're always like, hey, hi, how's it going? Hey, just give. give. But with me, you're really negative. And I said, Danielle, something Henry talked to me about. In fact, we talked this morning. I didn't tell her I told her it was going well this morning. I just said we talked this morning. And it's something I really need you to pray for me about. That I need to change. It's a blind spot. It's something I can't change on my own as much as Bartimaeus couldn't change his condition on his own. How about it for you? What do you want him to do for you? It says, go, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. You know, there's glaucoma is a condition, it's called, they, the doctors call it, you, you go blind over time. And so the terminology they call it is the silent thief of sight. Because you don't realize you have it until your sight's almost gone. So if you're not getting regular checkups and you're not staying on top of it, suddenly you realize something's wrong and now it's irreversible. You just want to stretch out as long as possible before your sight's gone. You know, I think some of us have spiritual glaucoma. The silent thief of sight. Or at one time in our Christian life, we were full of faith, full of vision, full of eagerness. And, and even Satan's deceived you to say, well, that was naivety. No, that was called purity of heart. Satan would deceive you to say, well, the church was different, and now I'm wiser. No, that would be called pride. 
Well, you don't understand. I mean, I'm busier now. I would say you're right. So you've got to be more creative and let God multiply the two loaves and five fish because I'm busier too. Don't make an excuse. Just don't let Satan, the silent thief of sight, come in there. He may not take you out, but he'll slowly take away your vision with spiritual glaucoma. There's another uh, a disease called cataracts where things start getting cloudy. Your, your uh, lens starts getting cloudy. And I think for some of us, we've got spiritual cataracts where we look at the church or we listen to the Word and we judge. Everything's cloudy. It's always negative. It's critical. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're, and you're robbing the purity of heart, the seeing God. We've got to go after our desire in prayer. Amen? Look at Mark 8, verse 22. And I just think about the passage in the Psalms where the psalmist says, Here I am! I desire to do Your will. Your law is within my heart. That's the heart of a Christian. Here I am! I desire to do Your will. Your law, it's not just, I'm not listening or just repeating it. It's in my heart. How are you asking God to feed your desire so that you can have great ambition? Look what C.S. Lewis says right here. Our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in the slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. I want to appeal, as the saying goes, to the angels of your better nature. That God still has great plans for you. You say, well, that's what all preachers say. That's kind of in the, car, in the Hallmark card. No, it's, it's Jesus. Every season of life has fruit, has abundance, has vision. But we're too easily pleased with lower things. We're messing around with lower things. Teens, don't get deceived by the world. It's all an illusion. Teens, if you've ever been to a fake movie studio where they've got the walls where it looks like a whole town, but then you walk behind and you realize it's all wood and there's just these two-by-fours holding up a fake wall. That is the world. And so the world's boasting, oh, it's so awesome, we're having sex, we're having parties, it's amazing, I did this. First of all, half of it's a lie. They didn't do it. They're just blowing it up big. So you think, whoa, man, you're bad. And so that's a lie. The other, sec- the other half is they're feeling actually sickened by what they did. And after feeling sickened two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight times, you don't feel anything anymore. So then you've got to go darker to get more fulfillment. Aim higher. Have greater desires. Let's not be half-hearted creatures. Let's have the spirit of Bartimaeus who said, I want to see! And Jesus will do that for us. Perseverance. Look at Mark chapter 8. This is a short story. It's only three verses. See, this desire should lead us to determination. This perseverance that we're going to look at should lead us to pushing through any obstacle. In Mark 8.22, it says they came to Bethesda and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand. He led him outside the village. This is a very peculiar story. I don't know why Jesus did this. When he had spit on the man's eyes. I mean, just imagine. Remember my eyeball up there? And the guy's like... 
I mean, just kind of, he didn't have to spit on his eyes. I don't know why he spit on his eyes. You can ask him on judgment day. Lord, am I good? Yeah, I'm good. Why'd you spit on his eyes? Um, just very peculiar. When he spit on the man's eyes, put his hands on him, Jesus asked, do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people and they look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened. His sight was restored and he saw everything clearly. A couple of observations here about this concept of perseverance. Perseverance means there's pain, there's obstacle, there's difficulty, there's trial, there's emotional challenge, there's a sense of this is hard. And I've found myself at times, you may have never done this, sometimes I fantasize that other people's lives are easier than mine. Has anyone ever done that? It's a fantasy, but I'm like, man, look at that. That family, they're the cleavers. I know they are. Picnic table, everybody just, hello, yes, it's a, it's a, it's just an illusion. Everybody has challenges. Everybody's got to persevere. Everybody's got to limp, if you know what I'm talking about. And this guy, he's got some really good friends. I hope that you are thankful to God for the good friends that brought you here or, or studied the Bible with you or are willing to meet with you to have a discipling relationship so that you can see clearly versus just trees. See, some of us at one time, we saw clearly. Now all we see is trees. And I've heard people, I don't wear glasses yet, but... I've heard of people, hey, can, can you, you know, I talk to them, they go, well, hold on, I, get, I need to get my glasses. I can't see what you're talking about. Oh, okay, there we go. And I think some of us, we started out where we, we, we saw clearly. We were touched by Jesus. He moved in our lives. We were so thankful. And then we started looking towards other things and the darkness started to fill up and suddenly what was clear is now I see tr- people who look like trees walking around. And that's kind of how we look at the commands of God. Trees walking around. That's how we look at a challenge from God. Trees walking around. Yeah, I see something. It's not really clear. I don't know what God wants me to do. It's kind of fuzzy. God wants us to have clear sight. Completely clear sight. It says some friends brought this man to Jesus. If you're studying the Bible right now, you've got to be super thankful for the friends bringing you along. And it says they begged him. What good friends. Jesus, can you help out my friend? Maybe the friend, the blind guy, didn't have the faith or the confidence or was discouraged where he didn't think he could make it happen. But he said, can you, can you help me out? And he said, let me help you out. Let's bring you to Jesus. And he brings him to Jesus. And Jesus spits on his eyes, touches his eyes, and it's just trees. See, a lot of times I think that God wants us to be desperate. He wants us to persevere. I like, uh, I like exercise and I like strenuous exercise. So walking, brisk walking is not strenuous to me. It's fun. You know, you can kind of listen a little bit. I like dripping. Intensity. But I don't like intensity and dripping with hard things in my life. Isn't that interesting? I don't know why that is. Probably another blind spot. But I like intensity there. But when the trials come, I'm like, oh man, this is hard. Yet the Bible says to me and to you over and over again, things aren't hard, you won't depend on God. If things aren't hard, you won't get more mature. If things aren't hard, you won't be complete. If things aren't hard, you won't persevere and you won't 
be a mature person and develop spiritually. If things aren't hard, I mean, imagine, I like going to the gym. Imagine going to the gym and I'm just put the bar on, no weights. What are you doing? Dude, I'm huge. Look at this. Just go ahead, count them. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, count them. Uh-huh, 32, count them. You got nothing on the bar. Come on, man. You think you can do this, 41? Uh-huh. I mean, you'd be go. Wow. And you'd walk off. I mean, but God wants to put some weight on the bar. God wants some strenuous exercise so we can grow. You know, we got our Women's Day coming up. Please don't give up praying and asking and begging people to come. Say, begging? I don't beg. Remember the first fact we all agreed with? Everybody is what? Spiritually blind or major blind spots. I would say they need God. Bring them. We've got our singles retreat coming up this weekend. Let's go after it to the 11th hour. Bring them. Let's, let's keep praying and asking and bringing people along to be touched by Jesus. You know, he took the man, just like he did with the other blind guy, he took him aside personally. What I love about our church is we're willing to study the Bible with you personally. You say, why is it? Because a sermon stirs your heart. But a personal dialogue about your heart is a little different. It's not just, hmm, that was good, that was funny, that was interesting, that made me think, that was inspiring, and out you go like a movie. When you're having a personal Bible study, you're examining your own heart. You're looking at, hey, what is it going to take? Where am I at? And if you're visiting today, we want to study the Bible with you. We want to help you in your heart. Not just look at the eye and go, looks good, but look beyond it, beyond it, and look at the hearts. That's what these guys did for Jesus. And Jesus made it personal and said, he took them aside and he touched them specifically. We've got to persevere. Some of us, we see the trees, we quit, we get impatient, we don't want to be hassled. We're afraid of what we might see if we got the second touch. Some of us, we're studying the Bible and we see shadows of our sinful self and we don't want to face ourselves. Well, then you can keep the trees. But I'll tell you, it's so much better to see clearly. Get the second touch. Keep persevering. Can you see the blind guy after he got his eyes spit on and then touched? What do you see? Fuzziness, trees, people like walking around. You didn't work, Jesus! What happened? Fake! You're a fake! No, he persevered. He was willing to keep going after it so he could see. It says, then his eyes were opened. His sight was restored. You know, teens that are growing up in the church, you've got to keep persevering. And you'll see clear and clear and clear. Maybe you have no background in the Bible. You've got to keep persevering. And you'll see clear and clear and clear. You've got to get one-on-one, though, to help things be seen clearly. You know, I was uh, having a discipling time on Thursday with Bruce. I have two discipling times a week. I need extra help, like stereo. And um, I uh, approached one of our elders, uh, I thought with great tact and tone, Jackie. <laughs> and I thought to myself, yeah, this is great tact and tone. But then when I recounted it to Bruce, he said, Marco. And he said all these nice things about me at first. Really nice. You know how I feel about you. You know how I think. I think you're this and this and this and this. But this is one area that you've really got to work on. I'm like, really? I know it's a, people have talked to me about this before, but I think I've really grown in it. The awareness factor, tact and tone. Some of you are going, oh, I've interacted with you. I know exactly what he said. 
Okay, it's a blind spot. But I'm thankful for Bruce. And I said, you know, Henry's talking about this many times. I've really grown, and I have. But still in some areas, there's trees. The people look like trees walking around. And I need that extra help over and over again so I can see clearly. Amen? The last passage right here in John chapter 9, verse 1. Obedience. You know, it's funny, you can talk about things, but this to some people isn't a four-letter word. Obey. I was riding uh, my bike this morning early with my friend here who's here today and I was saying, you know, one of the things that's different about our church is we don't just teach people the Bible. We teach them how to apply the Bible, how to obey the Bible. Would you guys agree with me? And that changed my life. I had been taught the Bible all my life. I even had some self-teaching going on. But no one ever taught me not just I should obey it, but how do I obey it? And then kind of help me along for whatever I needed. You know what I'm saying? Once they helped me obey it, boy, did God work. Look at John 9, verse 1. As they went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened. So the work of God might be displayed in his life. As long as it is day, remember this thing I was talking about, about opportunity, timing? As long as it is day, we must do the work of Him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said this, check this out now. So the other guy, he spit on his eyes. This guy, Jesus spits on the... Jesus had an issue with spitting. He's a total guy. You know guys are like... What was that? I don't know, I just wanted to be cool. I mean, Jesus just loved to spit. Guys, you don't like that? That we're following a spitter? Um... He spits on the ground this time, made some mud with saliva. And I know we go, ew, gross. Well, if you were blind, I don't think you'd mind ew, gross. And he takes the mud, not just any mud from the rain or the puddle or the bucket or saliva mud, and rubs it on the man's eyes. Now, the good thing was, the man necessarily didn't know Jesus. He might have thought that he was, Jesus was just spitting. He didn't know that Jesus was actually making two spit mud piles and rubbing that mud on his eyes. How could he know? Couldn't see. But we do get to see it. Having said this, he spit on the ground, made some other saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told them, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the men went, man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbors that formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How are your eyes open, they demanded. He replied, the man they called Jesus, see what I'm talking about? Made some mud. He doesn't know it's spit mud. Made some mud. Put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and I could see. Obedience leads to open doors. I want to challenge the older Christians. The middle-aged. You know, everyone always says they're middle class. Everyone also says once they get old, I'm, no, I'm not old, I'm middle-aged. I want to challenge the middle-aged. I'm middle-aged. I'm over the hill right now. I'm, I'm sliding down the other side. Where's your obedience to God? You know, we challenge the churches here to serve the poor. Twelve times this year. Twelve twenty-four, serve the poor. Take two hours of your time out of the 365 days a year God gives you to live. Add up two hours times 12 months. It's 24 months. 24 hours, excuse me. 
which is one full day of serving the poor. 1224. Do you guys heard this before? Have you bought in on a heart level? Not just, oh yeah, that's a great idea. I'm going to do that if I remember. Have you, as a conviction, I was riding my bike past the soccer field and I saw all these parents out at 8 in the morning. I thought, wow, look at the passion for soccer. How about us with the passion to give up a Saturday or some other time to give two hours back to serving the poor? One full day out of the 365 God gives you. Are you being obedient to Jesus' teachings about loving the poor? I need it. When I go help the poor, it's like going and washing myself and I can see. How's it going with your times with God? You go, ah, I'm not really feeling it. Ah, ah. And you know, the classic line when someone's not being obedient, they go, hey, it's alright. They just kind of mumble something. When you just obey and go and spend time with God, whether it's a monumental or not, it's like going and washing and you can see. How about your discipling times? You go, what is that? That's when two people meet together to help each other get strong spiritually. So I'm not, I'm not weak. Blind spots that will lead to full blindness eventually. We're all weak. We all have spots. Just obey and go. It's like washing and you'll see. If you're studying the Bible, it's not complicated. The Bible says what we need to do to become a Christian and if we'll just obey the Scriptures. We're studying the Bible. We just... Baptized a guy in the singles last month, Bernardo. And Bernardo is uh, a psycho- getting a, becoming a psychologist. And he's listening to all the mumbo-jumbo. You know what mumbo-jumbo is? About just how people think and this and that. And not that all this mumbo. I'm just saying he's listening to it. And he's like, well, well, well. I said, Bernardo, Jesus was around long before this. Just obey what God says. Repent and get baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. Well, Bernardo, you're dancing. Come on. And we talked and, you know, he'd walk into devotional and he'd go, I'm out of here. And then he'd leave before it started. Then he'd go back to his car and then he'd come back into devotional. All right, I'm going to stay. I'm out of here. And then he'd come back to the... You know, he's just tormented with human philosophy, God's Word. Bernardo just said, I'm going to obey. He became a Christian. His girlfriend's studying the Bible. And he's so joyful to become a psychologist and be a disciple. Why? Because he just obeyed and went, we've got to bring back obedience. How about your obedience with the three T's? Say, what are the three T's? Your time, your treasure, your money, your talents. Are you obeying God with those areas? When we obey and go, God works in such a powerful way. Joy, it says here in this quote, is the byproduct of obedience. Obedience, Oswald Chambers said, one step forward in obedience is worth years of study about it. Let's go after our obedience to God. Amen? And we're going to have an incredible year this year as we go after our vision. We feed our desires and we ask God, God, give me desire spiritually for the right things that leads to determination. We ask God, God, help me go after it with my perseverance that I can push through any obstacle. And finally we say, God, help me obey and let me help others help me obey so that there are open doors in my life. Thanks.